Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Tis the season for expectant backyard gardeners. You've begun to sow seeds of those warm season annuals and vegetables indoors, especially pepper and tomato seeds. But when will those little seeds begin to show their heads above the soil? Well, as always, it depends. On today's Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, our favorite retired college horticultural professor, Debbie Flower, has tips for speeding up seed germination rates, especially for those pokey pepper seeds, and those normally could take up to three weeks to sprout. But we can cut that time. But it takes a combination of tactics to be a successful speedy plant parent. It involves bleach, the right containers, heat, the correct application of water, the right soil mix, proper air movement, and H2O2. Yes, welcome back to high school chemistry class, kids. But you can do it. Today, it's speedy seed germination tips, especially for the pokey peppers. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in a skosh over 30 minutes. Let's get started. Well, here it is, the dead of winter. You know what that means for us here in USDA Zone 9. It's pepper seed starting time. <laughs> Yay! It's spring! It's spring! We can start pepper seeds. I wouldn't say it's spring, but yes, we can start pepper seeds. Thank you for that. Debbie Flower is here, our favorite retired college horticultural professor. And why is it necessary to start pepper seeds in like January or February. They're slow to germinate. Yeah, they're slow to germinate and slow to get up to a, a transplantable size. Right. Yes. Like 12 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Here in California, basically, it's if you want tomato seeds, start them the end of February. They'll be ready by the end of April. And I know in this day and age of climate change, you're saying, no, I'm planting mine the first week of March. Then you got to start sooner. Yeah, exactly. So it's about it, nine weeks, I would say, for a tomato. Yeah, and anything more than that, and it's going to get root bound and it's going to be jungly yeah. wherever you're growing them or, or terribly skinny. And you don't want that either. Skinny unless you work that stem. Make yeah. It, make it move. Well, we're here to talk peppers, not tomatoes. Right. We'll talk tomatoes at a future time, probably a month from now. But let's uh, talk peppers. I brought out my, as you can see here, if you're looking at your uh, phone, my pepper collection from last year, the pepper seed collection. And obviously, you know, every year you don't start the whole packet. There's always some left right. over. So these are from last year. They should be good this year. Yes, yeah, seeds in general, if they're kept dry and cool, should last uh, two years. All right. Minimum. Yeah. And I'm figuring if you want any of these, I've got these empty packets we can put them in. Oh, all right. That I, would be cool. If you want them. If you start peppers. So my favorites from last year that I grew were some heirloom pepper seeds from Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company. And they included Blot, B-L-O-T, uh, Jimmy Nardello, which is one of my favorite uh, <laughs> Italian style uh, peppers. Sounds like he's, he's got some friends, you know. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh, the Ozark Giant, 
Zulu, and the one that lasted the longest, that uh, we harvested the last one like two weeks before Christmas. Mm, wow. The Natapeno. Now, with a name like Natapeno, you're thinking, well, it, it, it looks like a jalapeno. Yeah. Nata. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the source of the name. Yes. Not, it's it's this jalapeno-like pepper that has no heat to it. Cool. And it, they're very small. They're maybe two inches long. But like I say, they uh, lasted a long time, perfect for uh, salads or stir fry. And that picture shows a, a young boy holding green peppers. Did any of them? No pepper is green forever. Uh, the Natapenos did turn purple, purple. In, in November, so there there is that. But uh, as I'm saying, this is the time of the year to start the pepper seed. Some of my other favorites that uh, have done well for me either last year or the year before that, uh, Big Red, which is a sweet pepper. All these, by the way, are sweet peppers. I've given up my hot pepper ways. Have you? My body objects. Yeah, I understand that yeah. part. Uh, the tequila is one of my favorite sweet peppers. It's a beautiful, shiny purple with just the best aroma hmm. of any sweet pepper I've ever cut into. The tequila. It's an All-America Selections winner, My too. mouth is watering. The gypsy. I plant this every year. I probably planted gypsy sweet peppers for 20 years, 30 years, because it has outstanding yield year after year after year. It starts off with sort of a pale yellow then it gets orange red and then very red and it's very sweet when ripe but you can harvest it when it's that pale yellow color mm -hmm. so it's one of the earliest to start using from the garden the gypsy uh the giant marconi one of my uh, other favorites too that i plant year after year that uh, it, it gets fairly large but like the name would imply about what, eight inches long or so and then of course i got to try new something seeds every new year. something year. new mm -hmm. So what's it going to be this year, Fred? Well, from Southern Exposure Seed Exchange, I'm ordering something called Super Shepherd Sweet Pepper. Okay. Don't know anything about it. Yep. Got to try it, though. All right. And I'll also be planting a, an old favorite of mine. It's a sweet red pepper, the Corno di Toro, mm -hmm. which is translated the horn of the bull. Yeah, I was thinking yes. bulls. <laughs> yeah. It's the horn of the bull. It looks like a bull's horn. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, you've sold those peppers really well. Thank you. And it's and I got and I don't have to buy any. Well, I did buy a few, but most of these are from last year. Do you find that the peppers need a little more shading? Maybe just the fruit needs shading than a tomato plant. Here in California, IA, yeah. I've noticed, especially here in the hot Central Valley, that the west side of the peppers are developing sunburn. Yes. Yes, I've noticed that as well. And I'm now looking at areas that get some protection from that mm -hmm. late afternoon sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But obviously, uh, pepper plants do best in full sun. And the definition of full sun is... Six to eight hours of unobstructed rays from the sun. All right. Six to eight hours. Mm -hmm. All right. I think I have that in my yard now. Yeah, the, your neighbors removed some trees. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it breaks my heart. Yeah. I have friends who... who plant their peppers close together maybe closer than is recommended when in the on the packet and this is when they go in the field not when they're starting the seeds mm -hmm. so that they shade each other to protect the fruit from that sunburn yeah a lot of people make the mistake especially on tomato plants of cutting away foliage and that can lead to sunburn right. of the tomato fruit in but, our yeah. climate now when i learned how to grow tomatoes in new jersey when i was in college way back when we, they had us prune them to a single stem and tie them to a stake 
because they said we got earlier uh, fruit set, and I have no proof of that, but that's what was told. I was told, but they needed to be exposed to the sun to ripen. So here are some instructions for starting pepper seeds, which is why you came here today. Because they take a long time to germinate, you got to kind of give them a little boost, a little mm-hmm. tickle, a mm-hmm. little a little something. Mm-hmm. And one of those little somethings is some bottom heat. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. And that could be a propagation mat. Yes. Or a, uh, I've also used, before I owned an official propagation mat, the uh, heater for a waterbed. The oh, mat, because yeah, it's go. basically the same thing. Yeah, that that would work, too. Now, at one wholesale nursery I know in the area, when they're uh, germinating seeds, they have tabletops where they're running hot water mm-hmm. through pipes that are just below the surface of the table. Right. And that just provides enough ambient heat to uh, warm the soil that, I guess, coaxes the seed out of dormancy. Right. And if you're growing in a, a greenhouse, the greenhouse does not need to be heated if you've got the bottom heat on the under the plant, under the soil. I did not know that. Yes, there are greenhouses that operate that way. Oh, okay. That's enough. You're just trying to keep the plant warm, and it's really just the soil mass. But after it germinates, then you have to turn on the greenhouse heat, I would think. When it gets to a certain size, yes. What is that size? Well, <laughs> tall enough that it's going to be out of that realm of heat that that is being produced underneath it. So it depends on your source of heat. With the water, you probably get more heat than with a heating pad. Beyond the cotyledon stage. Yeah, probably after four true leaves. Yeah. Cotyledons are not the true leaves. It's the first two leaves that appear on any dicot, I guess. Right. A dicot being a plant with two leaves. Two leaves, right. (laughs) A monocot would only have one cotyledon. Yeah. Name an example of a monocot. Grass is a monocot. Bamboo is a monocot. Um, yucca is a monocot. Corn. Bulbs, corn, yes. Okay, but uh, most of your fruiting vegetables are dicots. Are yes. dicots, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so you wait for four true leaves to develop, and then if you do have a greenhouse situation, maybe keep uh, the nighttime temperature at fifty. At least, yeah, that would be a good. Okay. Baseline for forty-five to eighty-six is the range in which all plants will grow. 50 would give you a measure of protection in mm-hmm. case something went wrong. What sort of starting soil do you use? Seed starting mix is a very fine non-soil mix. So a soilless mix that's uh, some kind of organic component. Uh, peat moss is used. Com- sterile compost can be used. Coir can be used. They make peat pellets that you can mm-hmm. use. Have that- you had much luck with those? The peat pellets? I One year, that's all I used, and I did have good luck with it. Okay. But I don't love their cost. They're not yeah, cheap. Right. And the cheaper ones have a net around them, which is nylon. And then you go back to the garden, and you find all these little nylon nets all over the place. Uh, but they're easy. They're fun to watch, like if you're gardening with mm-hmm. kids. And they, I have had seeds germinate in them. But I prefer to mix my own, which would be some very fine organic material, as we discussed, and then something uh, to open it up. A typical mix would include some perlite. Perlite comes in different sizes. You want to get horticultural grade perlite. And it's very lightweight, so the seedling can push it out of the way. And then sometimes you use vermiculite which is uh, the mica, the rock mica, broken into small pieces and heated so it expands, and that helps to hold moisture in the media. It also, I often put it on top of the seeds 
to make sure that moisture is trapped on the top surface of the soil. When you put out a heating mat, you can be surprised at how quickly, we often start seeds in very small containers. And so there's not a lot of media. And then when you put that small container on a heating mat, they dry out surprisingly Mm -hmm. fast. Uh, And this vermiculite on the surface holds a little extra moisture. Again, it's just sort of a reassures me that that it's uh, going to stay moist, even if I forget about it for a little bit too long. So on top of the soil mix that you created, the seed starting mix, could you just place the seeds and then just top it with that uh, eighth of an inch or so of vermiculite? Absolutely. Absolutely. The smaller the seed, the more chance it needs to be exposed to light in order to germinate. And vermiculite's very shiny. And you can even cover the seed completely with that eighth inch of vermiculite and the seed will get enough light that it will germinate. Now, if the seed requires darkness, Mm -hmm. and I'm not aware of any vegetable seeds that require darkness, there's probably some, but if they require darkness, you would need to bury that seed in order to give it that darkness. So I can stop poking my finger into the moist soil mix and dropping a seed in there. Right. You do want the seed to snuggle up to the media, Mm kind of like in a fireplace. If you have two logs and they're at either side of the fireplace, you're not going to have a very good fire. You'll have a better fire when those logs snuggle up to each other, okay? We'll have a better germination when that seed snuggles up to that media because it will allow the, moist, the seed to moisten faster. We're learning a lot today, how to, <laughs> how to build a fire, okay? <laughs> the uh, soil mix then, you can buy the seed starting yes, mix? Yes, you can. Already mixed, that's easy. But there are all sorts of formulas online for seed starting mixes, and most of them contain uh, basically what you talked about. Right. The, the, the three ingredients like a peat, or coir, uh, one, one third of that, um, mm-hmm. one third of uh, perlite, mm-hmm. and I use one third of a very fine compost mm-hmm. as well. But mm-hmm. you can use right. You can use compost. Uh, you can use peat perlite, vermiculite. Sometimes depends on what you're starting. With ve- most vegetables, moisture is good for starting, mm-hmm. and so doing peat, uh, perlite, and compost would be a good choice. All right. I'm, I'm waiting for the uh, annual Debbie Flower rant about planting in moist soil. <laughs> <laughs> the soil, and I, not everyone agrees with me on this, but the soil should be moist before it's put into the container. If you're starting seeds, number one, the containers need to be extremely clean. No traces of media whatsoever in those containers. Uh, if you are concerned, you don't think you got it clean enough, you could run it through a 10% bleach solution. But bleach is quickly disabled by organic matter. Any diseases that you might worry about, and in starting seeds, it's called a disease called damping off is your primary problem, will be carried over from the previous crop in that soil. So you want to make sure that the containers are brand new or they're older ones that have been completely cleaned. Then you mix your media or you get it from a bag and put it in. I use kitty litter containers. Use a bucket, use a wheelbarrow, but the container itself needs to be clean. Again, you don't want to transmit disease from a previous crop. Put the media in there and moisten it just like a wrung out sponge, not dripping. Uh, If you get it too wet, don't worry too much. Your container must have drain holes so that excess water will eventually drain out. Then put it in the pot and fill the pot to the very top, even over the top. And then you bang it on the bench about three times. And that settles the media. It settles it enough, but not so much that you've pushed all the pore holes out of that media. So the roots will still get oxygen. Then you plant your seed and you 
always water after planting, and that helps do that snuggling of the seed against the media. If the container you're using is a peat pot, and a lot of people use peat pots, do you need to soak that peat pot first? Yes, they believe typically come with directions that they do need to be soaked, and often they go inside of a rigid plastic or ceramic pot. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's they don't have to, especially if they have the netting. They don't have okay, to. Okay, but most of your three-inch or four-inch peat pots look like they're, they're fairly sturdy. Well, they are. They're dry, but as soon as they get wet... They start to fall apart. Yeah. That's the problem. And well, that's the well, problem... that's why they are peat pots. Right. Uh, they're supposed to fall apart. We experimented with, like, cow pots made from cow manure and... There were some other pots that we experimented with in production when I was teaching, and they didn't hold up long enough. For vegetable seedling production at home, they probably work fine, but in a greenhouse situation where we're trying to move them around and take them out of the greenhouse for a sale, they they just didn't stand up. They started to collapse. So they offer lots of different things for seed starting, even um, a way to make seed pots out of newspaper, which would work but that newspaper is going to break down fairly quickly. Very quickly, mm-hmm. yes. You mentioned damping off. Right. Let's, let's talk about that. It's a very common disease for people who uh, plant from seed, and you get your hopes up, and overnight, your hopes are dashed. Right. It's literally overnight. And it's a, I believe it's a fungal disease, and it travels with water, and it uh, loves the conditions for seed starting, which is warm and moist. One day you have your plants. Some people start lots of plants in one container, maybe in a flat, and the plants will look great and you'll leave and you'll come back the next day and uh, a portion of them are laying down right at the soil level. And it's because the disease has eaten that very fine stem all the way around it. It only likes very fine stems, so it only likes the seedling at before it gets true leaves. Once the seedling has gotten true leaves, the stem is too thick for the disease to eat through it. But they lay r- over, and they're they're dead. You can't mm-hmm. do anything about it. I guess technically a disease might dissolve and not eat, or how does that work? I, mean, I think of eating, I think of insects chopping around it. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> Whatever method, it consumes All right. the, the uh, very young stem. Is damping off pythium, or am I just making up a word there? No, I don't think it is. Okay. I would have to check. I don't know. I guess I could check, too. It's... We're glad to have SmartPots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. SmartPots, it's the original award-winning fabric planter. It's sold worldwide, and SmartPots are proudly made 100% in the USA. SmartPots come in a wide array of sizes and colors. If a frost or freeze is in the forecast, moving your frost tender plants that are in the SmartPots that have handles make them easier to move closer to the house for added warmth, or you could even move them inside for the winter. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information about the complete line of SmartPots lightweight, colorful fabric containers. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details of discounts when you buy SmartPots at Amazon. If you want to see them before you buy, SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. 
If you haven't shopped at your favorite independently owned nursery lately, you know something you're missing out. Now arriving at California, Arizona, and Texas nurseries are Dave Wilson Nursery's excellent lineup of farmer's market favorites of great tasting, healthy fruit and nut varieties. They're already potted up and ready to be planted. We're talking about almonds, blackberries, blueberries, boysenberries, figs, grapes, hops, kiwi, mulberries, olives, pomegranates, and a lot more. For you gardeners in the Pacific Northwest, Mountain, and Southern states, look for Dave Wilson's Farmer's Market favorites in January and February. You want more? Well, by the second week in January, you're going to find your favorite Dave Wilson bare root deciduous fruit trees in stock, including my favorite, the plum apricot cross, the Pluot. Wholesale grower Dave Wilson Nursery has probably the best lineup of great-tasting fruit and nut varieties of any grower in the United States. Find out more at their website, DaveWilson.com. And while you're there, check out all the videos they have on how to plant and grow all their delicious varieties of fruit and nut trees. Plus, at DaveWilson.com, you're going to find the nursery nearest you that carries Dave Wilson's plants. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. Meanwhile, back at the Abutilon jungle, Fred and Debbie are trying to figure out what causes damping off of pepper seeds. Is it pythium? And is pythium a fungus? Don't worry, this won't be on the final. Yeah, it's a fungus. Rhizoctonia and fusarium. There we go. Along with water mold pythium. Oh, oh, I like that. (laughs) Whoa. No, you were right. So it's a group of fungi. It's a fungal club. All right. I like to use plastic pots over and over again. Three inch plastic pots, three inches wide, maybe four inches tall. Mm-hmm. And I clean them thoroughly. Thank mm-hmm. you. Because I always fear that, well, what if this open package of seeds that I've had for a year went bad? Well, I'll stick three seeds into each container, mm-hmm. hoping one comes up. Of course, all three germinate. <laughs> Very common. But by the time they put out their first true sets of leaves... I will be transplanting each one into its own three-inch pot. Uh Uh-huh. And that means there's usually a big tray of pepper plants I'm offering for free out on the front porch every April or so. Yes. The seedlings quickly take over space, so be prepared for that. Yeah, that's the beauty of having a greenhouse. Yes, So, it is. But that, that this is a good scenic bypass to go on because what if you don't have a greenhouse? You can start them indoors. There are some uh, aids to germination that you will want uh, for any seedling. One is you want to be near a window. It does help to have uh, light. Plants are amazing. <laughs> Even house plants know when, uh, when it's winter and when it's not. So it d- does help to have some stimulation from outdoor light. But you will need stronger light than that. So to get a good, strong seedling, you need, uh, it used to be fluorescent lights hanging within inches, literally two, three inches above the plant. Now there are uh, LED lights that can be used for the same thing. At home, those are your options. And the reason you don't want to use sodium halide or halogen or something like that is they are too hot. They give off too much heat and they would burn the plant. You have to have very strong light. So you have to have the light near the plant and the amount of heat coming from those other uh, types of, of lights that might be used in a commercial production situation would not work indoors in your home. There are some interesting light structures out there that you could be using to uh, get your 
seedlings to grow. And we should point out that you only need to turn those lights on when the plant has actually emerged from the ground. Yes. And it, all of a sudden it wants more light. And most of these lighting systems are usually long, narrow tubes. And you wonder, well, how the heck can that provide enough light? Mm -hmm. I guess one of the keys is, well, it's only two inches from the top of the plant. Right. But they're usually on, on flexible uh, hoses, if you will, and you can bend it down. And they come in different colors, too. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Lights come in what we call the warm tones, which would be the reds, yellows, orange, and the cool tones, which are the blues. And those two different parts of the spectrum have different jobs in the plant. And so you want two bulbs and you want one cool and one warm. I was looking at a seed catalog the other night and they had structures for starting. It was just a two foot long fluorescent, it could have been LED fixture that holds two bulbs, one warm, one cool. It's on a metal stand and you can raise and lower it. And that's important to be able to raise and lower it. So the ones Fred was describing were on a gooseneck that can move around. And the one I saw in the seed catalog would uh, was on this side structure and it could be moved up and down. Because the plants are going to grow and you want to keep the bulbs within a couple of inches of the tops of the plants for best growth. That's one thing you definitely need is additional light. You can find some interesting little mini indoor greenhouses available at uh, some of the big box stores and the better nurseries that uh, look like a little pup tent that have trays in them, a stand, and a light fixture. Mm -hmm. And it has like a, a white cover to it, a white sheet-like cover to it. And I guess the, for that is, is maintaining the heat inside. Okay. I haven't seen those. Oh, shop around. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. get out much. <laughs> I have trouble uh, understanding the need for the plastic part, the green, you know, the, the structure part. Mm -hmm. uh, I assume it's to increase moisture, uh, but there are problems with getting the moisture too high. Then you can start having fungal diseases and you can your plants can rot. The other thing that I would recommend that you have for seed starting is wind, a fan. So because you want the stem of the plant to be strong, and in order for the stem to be strong, it has to move. It has to develop what's called reaction wood. It's called that whether the plant is woody or not. And you want it to sway back and forth. The experiment was done on uh, plants on a bench by some graduate students, and they had to go into the greenhouse and shake the bench for 10 minutes a day. That's all it needed. That 10 minutes strengthened the stem. Uh, I use an oscillating fan, meaning one that goes back and forth, and I have it on a minimum of a half an hour so that all the plants that uh, it goes back and forth past will get their own 10 minutes of shaking, and that will strengthen the stem of the plant. Half hour once a day? Half hour once a day, yeah. All right. Also, and you can find these at just about any nursery or big box store, are usually seed starting kits that consist of a catch basin, if you will, an insert that might have oh, up to 72 cells in it, and a plastic lid. The domes. The domes, domes are yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I use domes. I have a greenhouse, but I use domes. The domes have uh, openings on either side and the, the top so that you can control airflow. Seedlings do need airflow. You do want them, you don't want them to get so wet that they just rot in place. Seeds will rot in place if they get too wet. You do want some airflow. 
to get them to germinate. And then once they are above ground, you take the dome off and start using the wind. There are also, and this is important because one question you have to ask yourself, where is the water going to go? Yeah. It has to go somewhere. It can't be sitting in the soil. And usually plant trays are ribbed so that the cells are sitting maybe a half inch or so above the bottom. That just means you have to be vigilant, though, about emptying out the bottom of that tray. Right. It's like watering a house plant. You don't want it to sit in a tray of water. Right. And there are some kits you can buy that have everything you need all in one fell swoop. You've got the dome, you've got the cells, you've got the tray, and you've got the heated mat below. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that's a great way to get started. It is. How it long is. can they stay in those little cells, though? Well, I'm trying to think. From germination, it might be a week or two. Depends on what you're growing. Depends on how big it is. If it's a bean seed, <laughs> you got to get it out of there really fast. Yeah. Uh, you'll start seeing roots coming out the bottom of the, the cells, mm -hmm. and that's definitely a time to take them out. Because the they're small. Yes, they're small. And when you have to increase your frequency in watering, you know you've got a lot of roots in there. So those are the two clues. Mm, okay, You're right. And that's the other thing, too, is uh, they may not need water every day, but you should check it every day. Absolutely. And some cells may be more prone to drying out than others. Yes, sometimes the edges dry out first, especially if the dome is older. And I do use them for more than one year and it doesn't quite fit. Right. Or uh, part of it, it I, I try to always <laughs> put too many pots on the, the heat pad. And so some of them are getting more heat than others. And so they're drying out sooner. So they're or they're getting sun if they're in the greenhouse. Some parts of the container are getting sun, more sun than others. There are a variety of things that will cause different sections to dry out first. So, yes, check them and periodically pick up the insert and check for roots coming out the bottom. And if you use that plastic dome, make sure that it has vents on top that you can open. Right. And don't and make sure you do open some of them. Yeah, exactly. The question that people who listen to Garden Basics might ask, why can't I just go to the nursery and buy the plants? Well, you could if you wanted to. But don't you like something a little different? Right. Maybe if you want something that's heirloom or has a different texture or look or color, much more available in seed than they are as plants. If you go to a good nursery and check all the varieties of sweet pepper plants, for example, they might have 10, mm -hmm. maybe 15. Mm -hmm. When there are, is in reality, if you look at a seed catalog, pages and pages and pages, Yes. Of possibilities for you to plant. I mean, that's the next level for gardening is... Explore. Thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and once you've... It, it's fun. It's rewarding. If you've got kids, they often get a kick out of, mm -hmm. out of... Look at that. It just came up, especially if they put the seed in the soil. So it, it can be really a cool thing to watch happen. And once you've invested in the uh, set... The one, what, they're under 50 bucks, the whole yeah. set with the mm -hmm. with the heating pad and the tray and the cells and the dome, then it can be cheaper because you get a lot more seeds for what you would pay for a single plant at the nursery. And you can reuse if some of your plants didn't come up or you choose not to grow them. You can take the plant out and reuse some of the media for other uses, not for seed starting, but for other uses. The nursery industry. They love for you to come in and buy those six packs or those four packs or those singles in the four inch mm -hmm. pots of annuals and vegetables because 
they're making twice what they paid for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a profit. Yeah, it's a it's business. A, it, it deserves to make a profit. Yeah. But you're right; it does. They do make money. On it's you. a high profit item for the nursery. Now the problem is, of course, if you're growing them from seed, you're going to have more than you know what to do with. Right. So you can make some really good friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> do a plant swap. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You buy the peppers, and someone else buys the tomatoes. Have you taken a look at the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter yet? There's one that accompanies the Garden Basics podcast. It's a deeper dive into what was discussed on the podcast, along with more great gardening information. I like to call it Beyond the Basics. In the current edition of the newsletter, we expand upon episode 163 of the Garden Basics podcast, which dealt with getting seeds to germinate quicker and more successfully. You can find a link to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter in the podcast show notes or at FarmerFred.com or by going to Substack.com slash Garden Basics. Think of it as your garden resource that goes beyond the basics. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter and it's free. Please subscribe, share it with your gardening friends and family, won't you? The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. And uh, by the way, thank you for listening. Now, one thing we didn't discuss was goosing that little seed. Peppers, like we oh, said, yeah, 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 take yeah, a yeah, long yeah. time to germinate. Yeah. Uh, and it can be frustrating. You want I taught students how to do this stuff, and you want them to be successful. You want them to see the baby plant as soon as possible. One thing that uh, we did, I read it somewhere, and we tried it, and it did help, is soak the seeds in hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide's chemical makeup is H2O2. So it's additional oxygen to water. So it's got more oxygen. And that, for some reason, seems to help the seed germinate. In order for a seed to germinate, it has to absorb moisture. There's a full-sized baby plant in there and a source of food for that baby plant inside the seed. And so that absorbed moisture activates chemicals, which cause the cells to start to expand. Uh, the first thing that will come out of a seed is a root. And then after that, the uh, cotyledons, which are the source of food, and the full baby plant will expand. But for peppers, it just takes a long time, but soaking them in hydrogen peroxide helps. So then you say, well, how long? If you check the references, they vary from seconds to a half hour. Uh, when we did it at, when I was teaching, we did it for 10 minutes. I can remember the students walking around with their little plastic cup of pepper seeds, watching the clock and talking to each other, uh, which is fine. It, it varies. I've also seen it recommended for chili pepper seeds, which are pepper seeds. Same thing, the, the amount of time uh, varies depending on what reference you look at. But it's worth a try. You could do an experiment, plant some seeds without soaking, some seeds with soaking. Make sure you put that on the label and then see who comes up first. And what is the difference in the studies that you've done on this of germination time between an, um, an unsoaked pepper seed and a soaked pepper seed? Boy, I don't have that in my head immediately, but I want to say one week for a soaked pepper seed. Wow, that's quick. Yeah, that is quick. Uh, yeah, because pepper seeds are notoriously slow. Yeah. Uh, don't give up after two weeks. It could be it could take a third week. Yeah, and the, these were in a greenhouse with a dome on bottom heat. Uh, and tended daily. They were well-looked after seed, seedlings. And not fertilized. We should point out that uh, at this point in their life, they don't need extra fertilization. Correct. They don't. They, they have those cotyledons, and that's specifically to feed the baby plant. Once they're up out of the ground, 
it's a different story. But just to get them to germinate, they've got all the food they need. The other thing, though, to consider is don't plant them too deeply. They are living off of that cotyledon food from the time they get wet until they emerge and get sunlight. If they run out of that cotyledon food before they make it up to the surface and out into the sun, they're dead. So if you plant the seedling too deep, it will die before it makes it to the surface. It'll germinate, but it'll die before it makes it to the surface. So we were talking about using vermiculite on, on the surface and, and not putting the seed in very deeply. That may be a choice that is beneficial for getting those peppers up. And again, the process was place the seeds on top of that moistened soil mix in the container, bang the container once <laughs> on the uh, tabletop, and then sprinkle on like an eighth of an inch or so of, of vermiculite. vermiculite. And then water very gently. Watering is a skill that uh, I found I had to train the students to do uh, because the tendency is to put the then planted tray of seedlings or pot of seedlings right under the faucet and water it and out of the pot goes the, the seed because it is right there on the surface. So you need to use a very gentle flow. I taught them to use, uh, we used uh, Dram brand nozzles. They make some with many, many, many holes in them, 300 holes, 500 holes. And I had the student turn on the water, stand back feet away from the table where the, the flat of seedlings were, or planted seeds was, and turn it upside down so the water went up in the air and then it came down. It's frustrating uh, because it, the, it doesn't wet the media as fast as they may have liked. Uh, and the other is you, they make fogging nozzles to uh, water seedlings with. They're even more frustrating because they produce very little water. But you put the media in wet, you put the seed on the wet media, you put the vermiculite over the top. You're just trying to get everything settled with a little bit of water. You do not want the water to be very hard on the surface and wash the seed right out of the container. DRAM refers to that uh, utensil as their water breaker nozzle. Water breaker nozzle. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing on the end. <laughs> yeah. Showerhead nozzle, mm -hmm. water breaker nozzle. A gentle, if you just have your typical uh, multi-headed hose end sprayer mm -hmm. with various settings, I would do it on mist. Yes. There you go. Very good. And that would work. Yes. The whole would. idea is not to uh, dislodge the seed. Right. All right. Just be aware of that when you water. Anything else? Um, the only other thing I could think of is people will say, how long do I leave the lights on once the plant is up out of the ground? It's anywhere from 8 to 12 hours. Is that all? A day. Mm -hmm. uh, would you do it during the day or at night? During the day. Plants need night. Oh, they do need Yes, they do other time. things at night. They, they, during the day, they're doing photosynthesis and they're respiring, which is the opposite of photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is making food. Respiring is taking that food, breaking it down to make new cells or fix damage or whatever the plant needs. If they never get nighttime, they can't do that and they'll burn themselves out. All right. This, like you were mentioning, this is the perfect sort of uh, homeschooling type of, of thing to do with the kids to uh, show them uh, how seeds germinate. All right. But it's if you want a wide variety of different, cool-looking, great-tasting vegetables this year, we're starting off the season with peppers. Go ahead, buy some seeds. And get started. Debbie Flower, thanks so much for getting us going on oh. 2022 Vegetable Garden. Yeah, always a pleasure. Thanks, Fred.
Don't forget, if you want to learn more about the topics covered on today's episode of Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, please subscribe to the free Garden Basics newsletter. It's on Substack. Details are in today's show notes. The Garden Basics podcast will be on its winter schedule from November through January, which means there will only be one episode per week during this three-month period, and it'll come out on Fridays. Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by SmartPots, and we thank them for their support. Garden Basics is available for free wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.